You're listening to the Fan Club Podcast, where two polar opposites discover each other's fandoms for the very first time. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Fan Club Podcast. This is Matthew. This is Sarah. And today is episode... 55? I think it's 55. Uh, And today we will be covering Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Yes. Which is the longest book in the series. Yes. But it's in, like, runtime-wise, it's in the middle. Yeah. I I have to say right off the bat that this this episode is not going to be... I'm, I'm going to try to limit as much as I can of the, well, this happened in the book, well, this happened in the film, because there is so much of a difference. I would say about a quarter of the book made it into the movie. Uh, the the broad strokes of the plot made it into the movie. But a lot of the details that adds to the broads that's like how did that happen we were just here but like how did we get here with no explanation yeah so before we get into the nitty-gritty um don't forget to enter our care package giveaway there is a link in our description um to the google doc make sure you're following us on instagram and follow matthew's um seasoning instagram it's gonna be really cool um and it's You'll get some a little bit of free merch, um, Matthew's full line of seasonings, mm-hmm. as well as a couple of extras, and um, it is open to everybody. I want to stress that if you are even the least bit interested, just enter Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. So, this book is the longest book. It's like eight hundred and fifty pages, at least the American paperback version. I think. You have a hardback. I have a paperback right now. I have a I have the oh, il- I, I have, have the hardback version. I have the sorry. illustrated edition and I have the um like I don't know what edition it, it is, but it's the like the black and white covers that are like kind of like sketch mm-hmm. the, the sketch, sketch style, which I really loved. And I found them at Half Price Books like a year or so ago. No, it was a lot longer than that. I spent Cause we found all of the books except for Half Blood Prince and In one in one location and then i would go to the another location about once a week to look for about like three or four months i just really really love the art style that's on those covers there are some really cool covers there are and i'm not one to like because i know a lot of people are like they're big into collecting like the different languages and stuff i've never been into that i have my my illustrated editions, I have my regular paperbacks, and then I'm starting to collect the Mina Lima, like, paper, or the the pop-up book editions mm-hmm. that you've been getting me. There's only two so far. Um, and those are pretty cool. They have the pop, they have pop-ups, they have they inserts. They have really cool, like, interactive inserts, but only the first two were out. Um, and I've been really enjoying those, that- but... I don't think that those are ones that I will, like, if I'm going to reread the series, no, I'm not going to pick those up. No, you won't pick the illustrated ones either. Just, oh, well, I'll, I'll have our son read the illustrated editions when we first yeah. introduce, because yeah. I think it's a good way to, like, I think it's a good way to introduce him to, like, what the characters look like and the mm-hmm. world building and stuff that isn't just the movies. Yes. What I really appreciate about the illustrated edition specifically is that it's not just, like, paintings of the actors yeah it's like what they would have looked like described from the book um 
and I just I really really enjoy the illustrated editions and like the reason why I brought all that up is because the illustrated editions thick like the third one could probably kill somebody if you dropped it let alone the fifth one the two that I got you the the Mia Lima ones those are like they're small but they're thick you could kill someone with that like they're they're like double the normal pages but it makes sense because there's a lot of the pop-ups and there's different things like that. So, this book is mm-hmm. probably the one I've reread the most. This because is... when I was... I'm the opposite. When I was, like, a preteen, I had a really... Like, we moved across the country when I was, like, 12 or 13. And I was having a really hard time, like, sleeping in the new house for some reason. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and so my mom was like, why don't you fall asleep to like a book on tape or whatever? And so I started falling asleep to Harry Potter and, but for some reason the, um, cause this was in the days of iTunes and for some reason the Order of the Phoenix one was the only one I had on my iPod. Yes. Um, and so I fell asleep to Order of the Phoenix like almost every single night and I just would like, when I would finish the book, I would just start it back over. And, yeah. it, like, it was the only thing that, like, helped me adjust to sleeping in the new house. I don't really know why. And ever since, you know, I haven't been able to sleep in a room that's quiet. <laughs> it was, like, my white noise. Like, but the fifth one is, I think, the one that I've read the least. Because the one I read the most was the third one. Yeah. The third one is my favorite. The fifth one is okay. I think the th- the fifth one has a lot of outside world building. Yes, where it's like, compared to the first four, the first four, there was no real world building. Other than, like, we learn a little bit about the, like, other schools and A things. little bit of it, but, like, this one you see... You see how, like, the greater wizarding world works. And you yeah. see, like, St. Mungo's, and you see... You see, ev- you see more in this one than you see in any of the books in my opinion yeah and i think because even in seven it's mainly countryside and green gods like i think five is because we've already you know had four books of establishing who these characters are i think five is a really interesting character study into like these characters brains yeah. Um, especially, I mean, they're they're 15 now, so, like... And this book gets a lot of criticism for Harry being, like, really moody. But, like, you have to give him a little credit for what he's going through. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this book does a... In this movie, especially, does a really excellent job of conveying isolation and gaslighting. Yes. And um, also, I think this this film specifically, the book less so, but the film specifically has a very strong through line of found family. Um, but all of the movies have are about found family. Well, though. it's but the the specific message of book five is that Harry needs to rely on his friends. And Harry needs to True. rely on the people that care about him in order to succeed. True. And that comes through in the rest, in the last three, the last two books, I should say. Yeah. 
I don't know why I said three. Because uh, you were thinking about that there's three movies. Yeah. But, like, it's something that Harry... His his knee-jerk reaction is to be like, no, I'm going to keep this close to the best. Yeah. I need to do everything by myself. But, it like, Luna says it perfectly that... And I don't think this is a line in the book, but and I... And if Luna... I love this line that she says something along the lines of um, that he Voldemort would want you to feel cut off from everything else. Mm-hmm. And because if it's just you alone, you're not as much of a threat. Which, in some parts of this movie, Voldemort does come across as kind of a an abusive boyfriend <laughs> in some ways. You're not wrong. <clears throat> you're not wrong. I will say this book introduces... My personal favorite character, which we've already mentioned, if you've never seen me in person, you wouldn't know that I have a giant uh, Luna Lovegood Spectrospex tattoo on my arm. Yeah. Um, um, Luna, as a character, means a great deal to me. Um, she is representative of, like, being so sure of yourself and having, you know, having, having so much self-assuredness and confidence yeah. In the face of, like, people thinking you're crazy. I mean, she kind of was. And I don't necessarily... I'm not saying she is. I'm saying she kind of... She kind of is. I don't necessarily relate to her and like, that we had similar struggles because we didn't. But I just really admire that quality in her. Did we ever find her out... Her conviction. Yeah. Did we ever find out what happened to her mom? She was... She did a lot of, like, experimental spells and potions, and mm. something went wrong. Okay. I couldn't remember if it was something to do with Voldemort or not. No. I mean, is that a bad question? Because no, Voldemort... not necessarily, but, like, what would Voldemort have to do with the Lovegoods? What would Voldemort have to do with the Potters? The Potters were part of the Order of the Phoenix. Was it his, the dad? No. Oh. And I don't even know if the, um... I don't even know if the Quibbler existed at that point. So, um, one of the funny things that this book starts off with that I, for some reason, had to mention, that Harry goes on and on about how hot, unseasonably hot, this summer has been. And, um, the book literally says that it's 85 degrees. Uh, And I'm like, clearly Harry's never been to Texas. (laughs) I would love it to be 85 during the summer. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that would be amazing. Just 85 year-round. That would be... To be fair, though, the UK typically does not have AC. They have ceiling fans to stay cool. They have window <laughs> units to stay cool. In Texas, we have AC. It is still hot in the house with an AC going. No kidding. Like, you could step outside for two minutes... And break out in a sweat. I don't know why I always hyperfixated on this particular line. I think it's just because, like, living in Texas, it's not uncommon for it to be, like, over 100 most of the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, the last few summers have been weird where it didn't get over 100 until, like, July. Yeah, and that's rare. I mean, I remember... It's been the last, like, two or three years it's been like that. I remember Ever since we when, had that weird, like, freak snowstorm a couple yeah, years ago. I remember when... It was, it was after high school for me, so maybe it was like twenty fourteen or something. Mm-hmm. That summer was over a hundred degrees uh-huh. for like I think like fifty days in a row. Yep. 
a good chunk of those were over 110. Mm-hmm. Um, if that gives you a- any sort of indication. And then we also, on the other side of the spectrum, have record-breaking cold snaps. <laughs> of, like, two degrees. Mm. For, for Texas. Yes. That, like, completely wrecks our infrastructure. Like, <laughs> it just destroys everything. Like, it just... I just thought that line was funny, considering uh, Harry, like, fixates on it for the first, like, almost the entire first chapter. And just, like, boy. I said, is Voldemort controlling the Dementors now? Because don't we see the Dementors in book seven? Um, well, because I can't remember if it's Sirius or if it's Dumbledore who says that the Dementors are kind of... That they broke they don't, free. They don't really have a governing body. They, they kind of just, like... They broke free. They kind of just do their own thing. Or did they break free when uh, Bellatrix, Bellatrix broke free? But maybe it's Hagrid. Because Hagrid might... I think Hagrid says something along the lines of, like, magical creatures are, like, joining the dark side. But, like, mm-hmm. nobody really knows what the Dementors are doing. Um, because the Dementors, like, at one point, like, leave Azkaban. Yes, so they leave Azkaban after... So, I actually read about this on the Harry Potter wiki page. Um, Our favorite source. Yes. That I get a lot of info from that Sarah had no idea existed. It's because I don't leisurely read the Harry Potter wiki. <laughs> like, that's how I realized, like, when the Potters got the Invisibility Cloak, it was the... So, the son that got the Invisibility Cloak from the dad in the tale, his grandson married... The Potter girl. Yeah. And that's how the Potters got a part of that family. We can talk more about that in Deathly House. Oh, we will absolutely talk all about that. Because I have researched all that. Of course you have. Because <laughs> I was bored one day. Hey, we get technically two Horcruxes in this movie. Why are we doing a Horcrux count? Because I want to. Because you said not every movie has a Horcrux. Technically in the book... We get three, because there's a very brief mention of the locket. But we don't see it. Yeah, we do, because it, Harry... Basically, they're they're cleaning out Grimwald Place, and but it's not the, the, real one. the kids are all passing around this locket, this old ornate locket, and Harry notices that there's a heartbeat in it. But... The I, locket is stolen by Mundungus and sold, basically, on the black market. When? After book five. So Harry, like, literally holds a Horcrux in his hand. So technically there's three. Because yeah. Harry, Nagini, and their locket. But we don't see Nagini. Yeah, we do. He attacks... She... Sorry. She attacks Arthur. We see Arthur, but we don't see Nagini. Because we're looking through Nagini's eyes. She's still there. But we don't see her. Anyone who appreciates our banter... But we don't see Nagini, though. So I'm right. Still two. Uh, Dudley and Harry have a confrontation, and Dudley's, like, having some really low blows about Cedric and his mom. And, like, he says, like, don't kill Cedric. Who's Cedric? Your boyfriend. It's like, okay, we don't need to be homophobic. And it's like, and he goes, like, where is your mom, Potter? And it's like, jeez. Where's your aunt, Marge? And I, I love, <laughs> I love how Dudley's friends are, like, laughing like it's the best joke they've ever heard i don't know why does why does he go back to that house well i'll get to in a second in all honesty um why would you go back to where you're mentally abused i will get to it in a minute so 
then um, Dementors are after them. Or just one. Isn't it just one? No, it's two. It's two. Um, and Mrs. Fig shows up, who in the book is revealed to be a squib, but in the movie we don't ever get, like, she's just, like, supposed, like, she's just, like, kind of inferred to be a muggle that Dumbledore just, like, let in on the secret or whatever, but in mm-hmm. the book she's a squib. So she's been keeping an eye on Harry. Yeah, and Harry notices a lot of her cats are, like, kind of chilling around, and Harry sus- is suspicious that her cats are, like, being spies. Mm. Which is my clue that they're needle, at least ne- part measle. I don't think so, because even if she, even if they were a spy, she couldn't talk to them. But measles are, like, really smart. Yeah, but they can't speak English. I don't know, but, um... Unless if they're in a magi's. I mean, that's not a terrible theory. She could be in charge of, like, there could be squibs in each area that are in charge of, like, animagi's to keep watch on, like, young wizards that live in the Listen, area. Listen, that's not the absolute worst fan theory I've ever heard. The worst one is com. <laughs> <laughs> if you need a good laugh, this, this... It doesn't exist anymore. No, it does. I it was, does? I looked at it the other day. <laughs> It's oh. literally a white screen with black text. That's the only thing that's on this website. It was it cropped up, I think, before Half-Blood Prince, the book, came out. Mm-hmm. Or no, after. It Half was Blood after. It was, it was after because people thought he turned into a werewolf because of his failure. Because and, Snape uh, had to So it, do it probably was about, like, 2006 when this website cropped up. I, before Deathly Hallows, the book, came out. I bought a book. About the what was going to happen in book seven from like Borders. I think I got that too. Where I think I might like, have gotten that for like my birthday it was or like, something. What what might happen? R.I.P. Borders. No, but it was this weird little book. It was tiny. Yeah, it was maybe like two hundred pages, a hundred pages. Yeah. And it was like, what if Neville was because it, Harry Neville could have been swapped. That book was the epitome of like. The book that could have been a website. Yeah. Or, like, could have been a blog post. Yeah. Like, it's like that meme of, like, th- this meeting could have been But a, it wasn't written by J.K. Rowling. It was written by someone else. It screamed, I self-published this on Amazon. Yes. <laughs> yes. I would love somebody to find that book in, like, a half-price books or a thrift store or something. Oh, my gosh. That would be... If you have a copy of that, please send me a picture. Yes. <laughs> Because I remember it vividly. It was like a bluish purple book with like white letters saying what might happen in the seventh Harry Potter book or something along those lines. Was this before people like wrote blogs? When did the seventh book come out? 2007. The seventh book came out the same summer this movie came out. Oh, yeah. I was in Oregon at this time. This was the year that I moved to Texas. Mm-hmm. And this was the year I moved out of Texas. <laughs> we have some, like, really weird... I was just trying to get away from you. You didn't even know I existed yet. <laughs> anyway. Um, no, um... But, yeah. I think I bought it... We were talking about Miss Fig. Yeah. Which she's always referred to as Mrs. Fig, which makes me... Is she a widow? 
Maybe. Does do we just never meet her husband? But she's Mrs. Or she never married. I don't know. Not not really that important. I don't know. But I like my theory. I don't I don't hate your theory. It's nowhere near the worst theory you've ever presented me with. And I presented <laughs> with some far out there Harry Potter theories. Still, no one has answered my sort of Gryffindor question. And I want an answer. And I have deep dived the internet for an answer. And there is not an answer. Um. So if you think the sort of Gryffindor would turn into a Horcrux if it killed a Horcrux. Actually, it does kill Horcrux. It kills two. Kills two. Kills the locket. And Nagini. Mm. Harry casts the Patronus charm. We go back to the house. Dudley's freaking out. And this is when we get a letter from Mephalda Hopkirk, which, fun fact, is the woman who Hermione turns into in book seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but Harry gets expelled from Hogwarts. And then in the book, Harry gets two more letters. One from, one from Mr. Weasley saying, stay put. Mm-hmm. We're going to fix this. And the second one is to Petunia saying, remember my last Petunia. And I don't remember that. Yeah. So because Vernon tries to kick Harry out of the house and Petunia is like, uh, basically, it's the letter is revealed to be from Dumbledore to Petunia in reference to the letter that he left with baby Harry on the doorstep. Mm. And it stresses that Petunia needs to take care of Harry until he turns of age in order to protect him. Because yeah. it's the blood protection. Yeah. The trace. Mm-hmm. Um, the secret keeper, essentially. Is that the secret? I think that's the secret keeper. So essentially Petunia is Harry's secret keeper. <sighs> kind of. Gross. But well, that makes sense now why in the seventh movie where she's so sad having to leave her house well, and leave Harry. This is why I think that that scene should not have been cut. Because, A, that scene should not have been cut from this movie. And that deleted scene of Harry and Petunia having a reconciliation should not have been a deleted scene. It should have been actually in the movie. Yeah. Because, and I, I think that the scene just before that where Dudley kind of reconciles as well... Like, mm-hmm. because I think that cutting that is just... But you're supposed to hate the Dursleys. I fully appreciate that, but I think Petunia is a much more complicated character than people tend to give her credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Vernon is that complicated. No, Vernon is just evil to be evil. But the issue is that Petunia, because she was so bitter, because... Her sister was special and she wasn't. Mm-hmm. And that she tried to get in. She tried to to write a letter to, to Dumbledore saying, like, I want to get into Hogwarts too, but she's a muggle. Yeah, and she can't see Hogwarts anyway. So, because she was so bitter, she was like, I'm going to marry the most normal, milk toast guy. Mm-hmm. And she, she was so aggressively muggly. <laughs> Yeah. She went so far into the other direction. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, couldn't Dumbledore have let her in? Okay. Okay. I just realized another plot hole in um, 
Fantastic Beasts. Oh, jeez. <laughs> What's the muggle's name? Kowalski? Jacob? Kowalski. Jacob. He sees Hogwarts. Yeah. Muggles can't see Hogwarts. It's just, like, ruins. But he sees Hogwarts in its full capacity. There is a protection charm on Hogwarts. Where, like you said, it just looks like a pile of ruins. It looks like rubble. So how could Jacob see it? I just put those two together. You didn't think about that, did you? No. Or is it because he was given that fake wand thing? Where he had some magical... Or Albus did... He was a headmaster. What spell could he have done? Unless he was given, like, special permissions. Like, like Dumbledore gave him, like, some kind of special... But he wasn't headmaster. Yeah, but he's so powerful. He would... He would... Mm, that seems like that would be a headmaster spell. That would be a, um... What's the headmaster's name? It was Dibbit. Dibbit. So, it goes Phineas Black, Dibbit, then Dumbledore? I, I know Dibbit was... Armando Dippet was headmaster. headmaster when Tom Riddle was in school. Yeah. I don't know if there was another one in there. Like, so what was Dumbledore? And he was the Transfiguration. I thought he was Defense of Dark Arts. He is in the movie. Mm. In the book, he was. So I'm guessing he was. So my other theory is the headmaster, the like the deputy headmaster. Is always Transfiguration. And here's my reasoning. In Hogwarts Legacy, Professor um, Weasley is Transfiguration. She's the headmistress. Mm-hmm. Or the deputy headmistress. And You're only basing that off of no, those two characters. No. And then... And then... Then, yes. Because Dumbledore was the, head, the headmaster, de- deputy headmaster, when Voldemort went to school with Dippet. So someone else had to be the head master at the time if Dumbledore was Defense of Dark Arts. Because it seems like... And then McGonagall is Transfiguration. She's the deputy headmistress as well. I don't know, honey. It makes sense. But also Transfiguration would probably be one of the harder spell classes to master. Yeah. Because you would be changing the anatomy of an item to something else. Yeah. So then we meet the uh, the secret guard, I think is what they're called, um, which is like Tonks and Moody. And this is the first time we actually meet like real Moody. So the auras. The auras. Auras. And there's like a bunch more, including like Elpheus Doge and Emmeline Vance and so Daedalus it, Diggle. So was Sirius an auror? No. Or would he have been an auror? He probably might have, like, I feel like James and Sirius might have been, had they not. Or could you do, like, Order of the Phoenix, or, or. But, because the Orders are a job. Order of the Phoenix was just, like. Moody, I think, was retired at that point. So, I'm guessing Order of the Phoenix was, like, Neighborhood Watch. It's a secret society. So, Neighborhood Watch. Kind of. But... What's interesting to me is I really like the characterization of Moody in Goblet of Fire when he's secretly Vardy Koch Jr. But mm-hmm. it feels weird that Brendan Gleeson played him the same in the rest of the films because he's not Vardy Koch Jr. anymore. Yeah. Unless Vardy Koch Jr. did an excellent character study. Maybe. Or 
here's this. He didn't know that he was Barry Crouch Jr. yet in the movie until the end. I mean, you could probably maybe venture a guess to say that maybe Brendan Gleeson didn't read the book or wasn't given that part of the script. Because, so, there's this old, old show called Harper's Island that I absolutely love. I've seen a couple episodes. It's not my thing. No. You don't like horror, bloody gore. I like Scream. That's about it. But, so, there was this thing. If you watched Harper's Island or the DVD of it in the bonus scene, or not bonus scenes, the bonus stuff with it, the director was called the Grim Reaper in it. Where if you got a call that day, then you knew your character was going to die. So they had no idea. They didn't get the end. They didn't get the scripts until the day that they were recording. I mean, kind of bringing Scream back into this. Like for Scream 6, for example. I'm not going to spoil it because it's still a pretty recent movie. The killers killers, didn't know that they were the killers until they got that part of the script. nobody, Nobody but the killers were... And that's kind of how it was throughout the entire... Yeah, no one knew who the killers were until okay, maybe, they got to that Maybe point. the first few it was Maybe different. the first two or three. Because I know for a fact Scream 3 had a ton of rewrites. Yeah. Um, I mean, Come back same, in October when we cover the entire series. It's the same thing with uh, what Marvel does is they put out a lot of fake scripts. Mainly for Tom Holland, who would spoil, and Mark Ruffalo, who would spoil... But, but yeah. So then we... I could see them doing that. Not telling that he was Barry Cross Jr. But no, he had to know because of the tongue thing. Yeah, see, that's the thing. It's just, I really like his characterization as being, like, super manic. But, like... But wasn't he super manic in the book? Like, wasn't he he always paranoid in the book? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, there's this... In the scene that I'm about to talk about, when they're flying over London... In the book, he's, like, changing directions and going up really high and really paranoid about, like, getting getting tracked or whatever. So, I mean, the character characterization makes sense. I don't know. There's just, like, it It feels like it sh- they, sh- they should be different considering it wasn't really him the first time we saw So, his eye. Him. Is that his real eye in that thing or is it just an enchanted eye? No, because I feel like he got in... I think it's said that he, like, got in a... Some kind of battle and lost one of his eyes. Ooh. So, like, George. Where's the prey? Which one lost the ear? George lost the ear. George. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. It's fa- It's, a uh, Um, foreshadowing for him losing a part of himself. Which, when you think about it like Stop. that, is really depressing. <laughs> We're not there yet. Cut that. Um, and we meet Nymphadora Tonks, who, who is, is related to Sirius Black. Yeah, they're cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, so are the Weasleys. Well, because Nymphadora's mother, Andromeda, mm-hmm. is uh, Narcissa and, and Bellatrix's his, sister. Yeah. Um, and then a we a black a black married the Weasleys, and got ostracized from the family. Blood traders. Yeah, they were blood um, traders. And Andromeda and Tonks were both ousted because Andromeda married a Muggle, mm-hmm. 
Is it a muggle or a muggle gourd? I think it was a muggle. I think Ted Tonks is a muggle. That um, would have to be weird to explain. Why is my daughter, uh... Well, she's a Metamorph Magus, too. Like, that would be hard to explain. Like, why is my daughter changing, like, Well, because they, they talk about Teddy Lupin. When Teddy Lupin is born, they talk about how, like, he changes his hair color as a baby. Because his parents die when he's, like, 11 days old. So, okay. Somebody did the math, and I thought that was really depressing. Yes. <laughs> so, would he be able to, like, turn into a werewolf? Or would he have werewolf tendencies? Since his father is a werewolf and his technically with lamprosy, your DNA is technically changed. Lycanthropy. Lycanthropy. What did I say? Leprosy. <laughs> it changes your DNA. Turning into a werewolf changes your DNA. Because with vampires, if a vampire has a kid, their kid has some vampiric tendencies, I believe. So would a werewolf have those tendencies? Or would you be able to turn your I animate? I wonder if he's like is it possible to be born an animagus or is it like a skill that you learn? Because I wonder I think if... it's a skill you have to learn. Oh, I mean, technically Tonks is can sort of do animagus stuff. Because she turns like he, she like morphs her face into a duck. Yeah. So I wonder maybe like as a like, he can electively, like, kind of, like, look wolf-like. Yeah. He may look wolf-like. But not... He may have some werewolf tendencies, like, needing, like, raw meat, eating raw meat. Am and I part werewolf? Because I like rare meat. They get on their brooms, and this is when I will mention the excellent score. I love, especially the song that's playing while they're flying to Grimwald Place. Mm-hmm. That and Umbridge's song. Yeah. We're so upbeat for such of a horrible person. And then I also really love the Weasley stomp. Uh, which is mm-hmm. during, like, the fireworks scene. I think I actually had this um, soundtrack on my iPod. And I was always playing the Weasley stomp when I was biking. It's... Probably I don't work out if you've um if you haven't gathered that from me. Um but I imagine it's probably a pretty good workout tune. Yeah. If you work out to movie scores. So they get to Grimwald Place and they basically like the the apartments like shift and the muggles inside have no idea. Apparently twelve just doesn't exist. Yeah. It goes 10, 11, 13. You know what the explanation for that is? 12 is an unlucky number to the Wizarding World. Magic. I hate that answer. <laughs> I absolutely hate that answer. The magic. It's like the Spongebob rainbow meme. So they go in and Harry notices that there's severed um, house elf heads on the wall. Which is disturbing. I mean, it's just their dead house elves. It's weird, is what it is. People put deer heads on the wall. Yeah, I, uh, if I walk into somebody's house and they just have, like, dead animals everywhere, I would find that very bizarre. They'll find you bizarre. That, it's like... I don't know. It's actually more so the equivalent if they had a bunch of their, like, the bodies of... This is really morbid. Their bodies of, like, their dead housekeepers. 
And we also get introduced to Sirius's mom in this scene um, through a painting of her that Hmm. screams racial obscenities. Great! Um, And her name, fun fact, is Walburga. And she is named after Walpurgis Night, which is the night after Halloween, which is supposedly when, like, the souls are, like... It's basically Dia de los Muertos. Yes. Essentially. Um, but it's, like, a big night for witches. Hmm. The The etymology of that name is, like, really fascinating. Yeah. I highly recommend looking it up if it's... That's kind of, that kind of thing is your jam. Um, and we get introduced to the idea of the Order of the Phoenix, um, which is a secret society, um... We're, I'm guessing the Ministry knew about them. I'm guessing. But they could do what Orders couldn't. Because Orders still had to obey the no, law. No, it was secret. That everyone just knows about. Not everyone. It's this very small group when you think about it. I bet the Ministry knew what was going on. They only knew that Dumbledore was sketchy to them. I'm specifically speaking to like the bureaucratic... Like, I still never would have guessed. Dumbledore has always seemed sketchy. He even seemed sketchy in, like, when he was wearing the three-piece suits. Yeah, but, okay. I do, it was not one of those things that was, like, an open secret. Yeah. It was... It was, like, an underground thing. Yeah. And when you really when you really think about it, there's a scene later when Sirius gives him the, the photo. It's really not that many people. It's, like, 20 people. Yeah. From, I mean, there's also only 28, like, pure-blood houses. Not all of them are pure-blood. True. A good chunk of them seem like they are. The Nevilles, the Potters, the Weasleys. The Nevilles? The Longbottoms? Longbottoms. Um, the Longbottoms, the Weasleys. The Weasleys weren't in the original Order of the Phoenix. No, the brothers were. Uh, it was Molly's brothers. Molly's, true. The Pruitts. Pruitts. But I think the Pruitts are on the tw- the Sacred 28, though. Yeah. I really like this um, interaction between Sirius and Molly. I've always held Molly Weasley very dear because she reminds me of my mom in a lot of ways. And there are, like, Mrs. Weasley has some, like, you know, things that I don't like. Like, she she's really terrible to flirt. Who? Mrs. Weasley. I mean... She's she's awful to Fleur. And honestly, I think she's kind of terrible to Ginny a lot of the time, too. Um, yeah. But, you know, we're all flawed people. And, you know, the, the day you find out your parents are human beings is, like, kind of earth-shattering sometimes. At her core, I, I, and I especially love when um, Mrs. Weasley is, like, um, like she basically calls out Sirius for being like, he's not James. And Sirius is like, he's not your son. And she's like, he's as good as. Yeah. And I love that interaction. I think it's really sweet. Um, This is also when we learn that the twins are now of age. And so they're apparating everywhere and driving everybody crazy. And, um, in the book, we also learn this is when they are full force with their Weasley's Wizard Weezes products. Um, 
and they're only going to school in order to test run their their products. Mm-hmm. They already had their sights set on not finishing school. Yeah. Um, way before all the umbrage stuff. Um, so then we go to the ministry in the book. There's this whole ser- this whole um, few chapters of them cleaning out the house, and this is when we get like the reference to the locket, um, and we get introduced to like a couple other things, including Mrs. Weasley's Bogart, which is her family dying. Why would there be a Bogart there? Um, she just runs across one. That's weird that there's just a Bogart in the house. It's an old house. True. Um, so then we go to the minister. Harry and, and Mr. Weasley go to the ministry for Harry's hearing, and they try to, like, trip him up by saying it started five minutes ago. Harry runs into Fudge doing some sketchy stuff with Lucius. And in the book, Harry implies, like, says out loud and implies that he knows that Lucius was in the graveyard. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the book, they just, like, stare each other down. Yeah. Um, and then there's this courtroom scene, which I feel like this scene was, like, I don't know why I remember the trailers, but I feel like this courtroom scene was in all of the trailers. Probably. And I remember this line specifically so vividly where Dumbledore is like, the you know, the Dark Lord's return is incontrovertible. Still to this day, at 28 years old, I still don't know what the word incontrovertible means. Incontrovertible. Not able to be denied or disputed. This is when we first meet Dolores Jane Umbridge worst person who is worse than Voldemort in my opinion I think she's worse than Voldemort because nobody's gonna run across in their everyday life a maniacal man obsessed with immortality that doesn't have a nose but you're gonna run across an umbrage yeah I think that's the reason why most people hate her and she's also like on the surface so like, she loves cats, she loves the color pink, she wears a bow in her hair, and, but in reality, she's, like, evil. Yes. Uh, willing to use the Cruciatist curse on children, willing to, like, have children hurt themselves for power, I don't even know, um, but she's so... Ugh. And Imelda Staunton plays her with, like, such... She plays her so well. I remember in an interview, um, her friend said, you would, you would play Umbridge so well because you kind of remind me of her. She's described in the books as, like, being toad-like. Which I'm like, is that a compliment? To tell your friend that they remind you of a, like... Well, and if you mean person maybe if you're not american you probably haven't seen the photo but like the in the american editions all of the chapters have little pictures mm-hmm. um and the photo of umbridge is like the most hideous thing you've ever seen in your life um and i'm not sure if the other countries editions have those um let me know but ours do yeah um, and <laughs> I, I think that Imelda Staunton is a lot 
Um, I don't think she looks like a toad, personally. But I think her spirit embodies Umbridge so well. Yeah. Um, it's funny, because she... I most recently saw her in the most recent season of The Queen, of the Crown. Mm-hmm. Um, she plays Queen Elizabeth. Yes. And I... <laughs> throughout that entire season, I was just like... Why is why does Umbridge care so much about a boat? <laughs> I just I couldn't. There are certain actors that are just like burned into my head as like certain characters, and yeah. I and she is one of those people because she plays Umbridge so well. Uh, she just disappears into that role, and I just I I don't know. I had a hard time divorcing her from Umbridge and being able to like effectively see her as Queen Elizabeth. Yes. And it was really distracting. Yeah. Um, I also really love the little bits of, like, um, Arthur not being able to work the subway. I think it's really funny. Arthur is such a, a dork. Yes. Yes, he is. And also, fun fact, the visitor's entrance to the Ministry of Magic, um, is a phone booth, and they dial 62442. Which is magic. Which, if you don't... If maybe you weren't around when T9Word was around. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's... It spells magic. Yeah. Um, which I love. I know that's, like, a really common fun fact, but it's fun. Um, which is why we call it a fun fact. I do think the line where, um, where, um, they ask Mrs. Fig what they look like, and she's like, one was rather large, and one was quite skinny, and they're like, not the boys, the Dementors. I don't know. Oh, yeah, because Miss Fig's there. Yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. I don't remember. So she can't be a muggle. She's a squib. No, because in the movies, it, they make you believe that she's a muggle. They just don't ever explicitly say it. Yeah. They also don't ever, in the movies, use the Marauders' nicknames. So, when Harry later says, like, they've got Padfoot, how are movie watchers supposed to know what the hell he means? True. Yeah. Um, so, and we go to Hogwarts, and, um, on the train in the book, this is when we meet Luna but we don't meet Luna until the carriages. Yeah. And they've cut entirely the subplot of Ron and Hermione being prefects. Yeah. Um, which I don't necessarily think is, like, terribly relevant, other than the fact that it's another way to isolate Harry, I think. But Dumbledore figured that he probably had a little too much on his plate. Yeah. Um... And we meet my personal favorite character. I love Luna so much. I think she's a freaking angel. And this book actually really made me dislike Hermione in a lot of ways. um, Because of the way she treated Luna. But, I mean, I can see why. Because... Hermione is so highly logical that Luna... Luna's kind of wackiness doesn't really compute. Yeah. Which is fine, but, like, Hermione is, frankly, just mean. They're complete opposites. 
Hermione is so by the book. Yeah. While Luna is all fun. I wouldn't even say that. She just has a different way of thinking about things. Yeah. And I think it's illustrated in these kind of wacky ways where she believes in creatures that don't exist. Or there's no proof of them existing, I should say. Yeah. Um, and I think that it drives Hermione crazy because it doesn't, it doesn't follow what she knows is logic. She learns to love Luna for all of her quirks. The matter is, none of Luna's beliefs are hurting anybody. No. Not at all. Um... She just is who she is. And, like, sure, the Quibbler does espouse some misinformation where they talk about, like, like Sirius Black being bad and, like, Fudge being, like, against goblins. And they talk about, um, like, things that, like, news that couldn't possibly be happening. It's basically, like, a bunch of Onion articles. Yes. Um... But I, I forgot th- about the onion. But at the end of the day, they're not. She's not hurting anyone. No. Um. It's like the ta- It's just another tabloid. Yeah, it really is. It's it's a tabloid. I mean, I think real world tabloids actually do harm people. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's a few, but I. I apologize if you can hear the train that's running through our town right now. Oh, we go to the Great Hall, and Umbridge is basically talking about... She she interrupts Dumbledore, which is, like, a huge no-no. And yeah. she has this whole speech about how um, progress for the sake of progress must be prohibited. Which... Makes zero sense. It makes perfect sense. It's just awful. Yeah. Um, And she has this god-awful, like cough that she does i also love the line where she's like um i want to see all your bright smiling faces looking up at me and everybody's like glaring at her yeah (laughs) um so then we immediately go into the first defense against the dark arts lesson with professor umbridge and she is just straight out the gate awful just teaching them useless stuff well it's like normal high school she basically thinks that practical magic is not... Like, she just only wants to teach them theory. And Harry speaks up and he's like, he's like, you're not going to prepare us. And she's like, she's like, who would want to attack children like yourselves? And... The dude who's been attacking us for four years already? But Voldemort really cares about Harry's education. Yeah, he always attacks at the end of the year. And she thinks that Cedric's death was an accident, which is, like, so messed up. I mean, he was accidentally there. Sure. So, technically, it was an accident. But. It was just a series of unfortunate events. (laughs) I don't see Count Olaf here. (laughs) Okay. I think that was one of the most millennial references I think we've ever made. Umbridge is just as bad as Olaf. There's no way for Harry to absolutely prove that he's right. Which is why so many people are against him. Because to everybody else's, from everywhere else, everybody else's standpoint, Harry just came back with a dead body. There's no way for him to prove that Voldemort is back. 
There's no way for him to prove that Voldemort was the one that killed Cedric. And so, realistically, Harry's just being, like, gaslit this entire movie. But what about, like, Barty Crouch Jr.? That whole conversation. Well, nobody... Snape and Dumbledore and McGonagall believe him. It's more the greater wizarding world that does it. Yeah, true. And all summer long, Fudge and the Daily Prophet have been, like, completely against Harry. Yeah. And it's not until... The end. And it's not until Harry meets up with Rita Skeeter that he sets the record straight. And even then, people don't still don't believe him. Oh, yeah, we totally forgot to talk about something last week. <sighs> yeah, I meant to swing back around to it, and I just... I completely forgot. Rita Skeeter's been missing. So, Rita Skeeter, Harani take, uh, kidnaps a grown woman... Um, so Rhea Skeeter is an animagus. She's a beetle. She Yeah, she can turn into a beetle, which I think a fly on the wall would have been more clever. But that's just me. And Hermione captures her and enchants the jar so she can't transform and break the jar. So she kept a grown woman in a glass jar for a year without feeding her. She and I love how Hermione says at the end on the train, it's like, I put some leaves in there. Like, alrighty. <laughs> no, I we, I appreciate what you did. We don't kidnap grown women, <laughs> but I mean, it is Rita Skeeter, who is awful. So, did Hermione do actually do a bad thing? Because she took an awful person off the streets. Her whole thing was like, she'll stop writing stories about you, Harry. <laughs> like, you're I mean, not wrong, but you did it we, in a bad... Could we not kidnap people? I mean, it's not as bad what Harry did. He killed a grown man with his hands. I, I guess Harry was directly responsible for killing a man with his bare hands and another man's memory loss. No, that was Gilderoy's fault. That was 100% Gilderoy's fault. Because he took Ron's wand and the spell backfired. So that's not Harry's fault. That's Gilderoy's fault. This is true. But Cedric's death is Harry's fault. Now, Cedric's death is Cedric's fault. Because Cedric was the one like, let's grab it at the same time. I'm sorry. No, right. that, Harry said that. I'm not victim blaming. Harry said let's grab it at the same time. I'm pretty sure it was Cedric. I think it was Harry. I'm pretty sure it was Cedric. Whatever. Or Cedric, I don't to know. To be fair, they didn't know where it was going to end up. So it was a porky anyway. I think it was supposed to land them at the, at the beginning. But, a, okay. A porky is a one-time use. Right? Uh, usually, yeah. So There might be a two-way porky, though. But a porky <sighs> is supposed to take you to one place and then back. Okay, we another. don't need to concentrate on the previous one. But the Porky took them to two different locations. Every other Porky we've seen in that I've seen on the wiki, it's just a one use. Yeah. Anyway. So I don't know. So then we get the Umbridge detention scene, which is just, you know, child torture. Just casual child I torture. Not lying. I must not, not tell li- lies. So and he's just branded for the rest of his life. 
Yeah. The interesting thing... I, that we never see again. No. I think that there's a line in... I think it's in 7 when Harry finds out that Umbridge has the locket when they're about to break into the mystery. Mm-hmm. That he looks down at his hand and sees, like, the faint scar. Yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe. Um, and... Yeah, this scene, especially when Harry, like, steps foot into her office and it's, like, bright pink and there's cat plates meowing everywhere. She is a Karen. And she, everything in her office is pink. From, like, her her sugar is pink. Her, like, she even, like, straightens her pencils into a perfect line. Her shoes are perfectly placed. So she has OCD and she's a Karen. She, she's messed up in the head. The way she delivers the line, no, you're going to be using a rather special quill of mine. Like, like I'm good, lady. I'm good. Like, I think at that point, Harry will never, ever, ever use a quill that is not his ever again. Mm-hmm. Or, here's an idea, just use a pen. There okay. was pins in the 90s. This is my thing. It's like, okay, oh, I'm I sorry, know eighties and nineties. I know the Wizarding World is like kind of behind the times, but pins but like, exist. I don't understand their obsession with using quills because it's old school. Because it's whimsical. But pins existed, and pencils existed before pins. I just want um. Maybe this is a is a more twenty tens thing. But, um, those mechanical pencils, the expensive ones that are, like, bright colors with, like, they're, like, a button on it. Yes. I love those. Which looked like it was an actual pencil. No, 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 no. Not those. It's, like, it was a mechanical pencil, and they were usually, like, purple, green, pink, with, like, clear... And like you clicked like the the bright green button on the side to to click, and it had like the white twistable eraser. Oh yes, I loved those. You know what my favorite fake pencils were? It was the ones that had the, it had like the little piece of granite with like that hard plastic, on it. Granite, or graphite. Yeah, it was like, like a countertop. Yes. No. The graphite, like, they were, like, yay tall, but it the pencil had, like, ten of those in it. Oh, like the stackable ones? Yes. And you move the, you yeah, break the, off of the thing and move it to the bottom? Yeah, you just pull it down. I hated those. If you lost one, you might as well just throw that away. I hated writing with those. They, like, made, like, the most god-awful sound. It was just pencil lead. I hated it. Like, I don't know if anybody else had this when they were in school. Maybe... I'm showing my age, but, like, I remember, like, pencil lead, mechanical pencil lead being, like, currency. Yes, they were. If you had a .07 millimeter, you were, like, a king. Like, I remember people would sell, like, packs of... Yeah, because they were cheap. You could buy them, but the mechanical pencil part was expensive. Like, I know people that would, like, be like, oh, I'll give you this for, like, like, $5 or something. Like, I'll give you this for your cookie at lunch. Yeah. 
like the or like I'll give you mechan- I'll give you one piece of mechanical pencil for your Oreo. Or it's like like I'll trade you I'll give I'll give you pencil lead, but you're gonna you're gonna need to give me your science notes. Yeah. It was like <laughs> it was like it was like prison currency. High school is wild, man. That was more middle school. No, it was high school for me. Oh. In high school, we used uh, pens. Because we weren't allowed to chew gum in my school. And so people Mm. traded pencil lead like it was gum. Uh, true. (laughs) I think we were able to chew... Yeah, we were able to chew gum. Anyway, I don't know why that made me think of that. Um, (laughs) I don't know. No, because we were talking about the quills and then I brought up pencils and then we went on What color thing. is math to you? <laughs> Red. I agree. Because of the and hatred. In, and English is blue. Or is history blue? Uh, history was green for me. Science was always green because of biology and like plants. Science was yellow for me because of chemistry. Universal question. Like <laughs> English was I don't remember. I didn't do folders. I had one of those um like the binders, like the, the zips? Yes. That's such a boy thing. I had the zip. <laughs> that is such a millennial boy thing. I had the zip for a while, but then it got so full. Did you just, like, throw your papers in there without... Yes. <laughs> and then I would just throw everything in my locker. Knowing you, that does not shock me whatsoever. <laughs> I remember... There was no organization to the zip. I remember when I... I am, like, severely ADHD, so I would get so excited about my school supplies in the beginning. Uh-huh. And, and by, like, by, like, by, like, Christmas... My like <laughs> like nothing would be in its place. Then we go with Luna to meet my favorite magical creature, the Thestrals. Mm-hmm. I, the bony ponies. The bony ponies. Mm-hmm. Um, Thestrals have always been my favorite magical creature in the entirety of the entire series. I don't really know why. I just find them really fascinating. I mean, technically, shouldn't Harry have been able to see them the entire time? Technically, <laughs> this is my like. Probably my top least favorite plot hole. <laughs> because he has experienced death. I think it's you had to like absorb and like. He saw it, and he was told his he entire was a life. Baby. How his... He's been told his entire life of how his mom died, and dad died. His entire life. He was also like in the crib, like right in front of her. So, but he's been told his entire life how his mom sacrificed herself for him. So, shouldn't he have been able to see it the entire time? This is... Okay. Because... Here's my thing, though. You can bet that Dursley's, or at least Dursley's son, I cannot think of it. Dudley. Dudley would make fun of Harry for being, like, an orphan. You know he would always say, hey, your mom's dead. But here's my thing, is that at the end of book four, they take the carriages back to the train and we don't see it and we don't he doesn't see them so and that was after cedric died yeah so was it just does he need to process it is this just a plot hole 
um, I can do your logic. Magic. I love bony ponies, though. And I love that we see a baby bony pony. In Hogwarts Legacy, I have several bony ponies. Oh, my God. Um, and several baby bony ponies that I've sold. I will never... Yeah, Matthew's a poacher in Hogwarts I am Legacy. not a poacher. Yes, you are. No, I am not. Poachers kill them. I just sell them. I just take the Thestral hairs and sell them for 150 gold, which you make nothing off of. I do love this. Um, also, I have an unlimited. I think it's a gold. little weird that in this, this scene. I think it's a little weird in this scene that Luna is just barefoot. Luna is just a weird. But line. at the end, we figure out that her shoes have been stolen. So she's had no shoes this entire year. I think she like has her school shoes, but she doesn't have her casual shoes. I don't even have something to say about that. Because, A, don't steal shoes. And two. Did we learn nothing from Holes? Have you seen that movie? Do you get that yes. reference at all? Yes, I get that. In third grade, I think it was when it came out, we read the book and then we went to see the movie as a field trip. God, that movie is so good. It's a weird movie. Did you know the turnips that they were eating, or the onions that they were eating, were apples? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember how long it's been since I've seen it, but I remember a weird amount about it. Same. <laughs> Same. And there are so many people in that movie that are like, oh, it's that person. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> dang, there's a lot of famous people in this movie. Like... Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. Eh. Not so much famous anymore. But he was big at the time. Um, not Weaver. It's um, Sigourney. Is this Sigourney Weaver? Yeah, she's uh, the warden. Yeah, Sigourney Weaver. Um, the guy that looks like a rat. I can't think of his name. The balding skinny dude. Yeah. I don't know what he's from. I've seen him in a bunch I ran of- across the guy who plays Zero, the little boy. I have not seen him in anything. I ran across him on TikTok oh. not that long ago. No, I think this is when they form the DA because then they go... Because there's that meeting in the um, the Gryffindor Commoner between the trio and they talk to Sirius over the flame. Which, can we just talk about the, the fire, the food powder phone? So much better in four. <laughs> because... In five, it's like a hologram with Sirius's face. Yeah. Whereas, like in book in movie four, it's like the ashes are like made out of like his face. But the flame was going at that time. I don't know. I, I think so, it, it's like wizard face time. Yeah. So, can you use any fireplace as uh for flu powder? Uh, as long as it's hooked up to the flu network. So, fun fact though, there in book four. When, so, before, it might be, might be directly after the Quidditch World Cup, Amos Diggory, like, sticks his head through the fire, and Mrs. Weasley feeds him toast through the flu powder. So, if you connected the Gryffindor common room to, actually, yes, there is flu powder corridors in Hogwarts because of Hogwarts Legacy. You can't imagine. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Please, no. I can't imagine how I was traveling through Hawkers before I invented flu powder. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Sheer torture. If you've played Hogwarts Legacy before the last update, like three weeks ago, this statue of a face. I'm sure you've seen the TikToks or the memes by now. Where all that she would say is, wow, how hard must have been before I Off on another Hogwarts. adventure, are we? <laughs> and then your character, whenever they go to Hogsmeade, says, all roads lead back to Hogsmeade. No, they don't. So we go to the Hogshead and there's this great meeting with the what becomes the DA and they're hyping Harry up and Harani finally says Voldemort and it's like yeah Quidditch is completely cut from this movie yeah because there's a big Quidditch subplot in the book yeah like oh, Ron tries out for for Keeper and you know Draco is you know Draco um and it's terrible and we miss out on Weasley as our king in the movie um, which, if you've ever listened to the Jim Dale audiobook, he actually makes it into a song, and it is fantastic. Because it was a song in the book. Yeah, but so Stephen Fry reads it. Mm. Jim Dale actually sings it. Mm. Who's Jim Dale? The he does the American editions. Uh, he's I just thought he's of, a char- he's a character actor. I was thinking of something from Fairly Odd Parents. Doug Dibidome. If you've ever seen, um, which is maybe uh, two of you, uh, Pete's Dragon from the 70s, he is, he play Jim Dale plays the villain in that movie. Yeah, no, never seen it. It's not good, but it's funny. I mean, how many movies from the 70s are good? It's really funny, though. I'll take your word for it. It's kind of exciting, isn't it? Breaking the rules. Who are you and what have you done with Hermione Granger? Yeah. Um, and Cho couldn't keep her eyes off you, could she? Cho was just trying to rebound off of the Triwizard winner. Okay. She's trying to get brownie points. Cho gets some serious... Cho and Lavender Brown get some serious flack. And in my personal opinion, they behave like typical teenage girls with their first boyfriends. I think we should cut some, cut them some slack. No. Cho's first boyfriend was Cid- Cidric. I don't think they were ever serious. They went to a dance together. I think they were dating. They were also like... Like, she was like 14. 15. I, I think Cho she's a, a year above. I think she's a year above Harry, so... So, only two years apart. Whatever. Or three years apart at the time. Whatever. No, two years apart at the time. So... But, like, I don't think... Whatever. I don't... I think she really liked Harry, but, like, Cedric just got to her first when he asked her to the mm, dance. I doubt it. But, because like... everyone that's close to Harry gets injured. Cho gets so much flack for being, like, a crier. And, like, I think it's just in comparison to, like, Harani and Ginny, who are both, like, supposed to be the girls that we want the boys to be with. No, I'm not getting on to her for being a crier. I'm just saying she's jumping on the, like, popularity wagon. You don't think she really likes Harry? No, I think she's just trying to be with Harry because he's the chosen one. I, yeah, I don't think... I don't get that from her. I get a sincerity. Eh. I don't. Because she, A, her date, like, got murdered. And she showed, like, no res- remorse over that. It's trauma! But then she moved on pretty quickly. It's trauma. 
Yeah. Um. So then this is where we get our training montage. And then we also get the, uh, what is Draco's group called? The Inquisitorial Squad. Which, it's just a bad name. It's a bunch of narcs. Yeah. I never would have thought, I could see Malfoy actually being a narc. He's a tattletale. Yeah. My daddy's going to hear about this. He just wanted brownie points from his dad. The only person I could legitimately see working with Voldemort and Voldemort being terrified of is Umbridge. I see Voldemort being terrified of Umbridge. The the thing that the movie really cuts out is a lot of the through lines with Percy. Because in the book, Percy has a huge riff with his family. And because Arthur thinks that Percy was only hired because um, Fudge wanted to keep an eye on Dumbledore's activities. Mm-hmm. And Percy was close to... Dumbledore in, in some way. Yeah. Um, at least would hear information, I guess. Yeah. Um, but he, he like, in the book, insulted his dad for, like, not being ambitious enough. And... I always hated Percy. Yeah, Percy's terrible. I always hated Percy. During the Battle of Hogwarts, I wish Percy's the one that... Well, he comes back right before Fred dies. He just spoiled it! Who's listening to this has yeah, watched and seen all of it. Right. Wish per- Percy should have been the one, not Fred. I'm sorry. But Percy was useless. A doorknob is more useful than Percy. I tell me I'm wrong. Percy is awful. Percy is a he's worse than a narc. Completely cuts off his entire family for the sake of ambition. Honestly, I could see Percy siding with Voldemort. I honestly could. I cannot believe it took him an entire other year to make amends. Nearly two. Like, Percy is a... It took until, like, stuff got real and people were dying for him to, like, be like, oh, crap. This battle's actually real. Harry was right all along. Like, really, Harry? Or really, Percy? Like, like, like Percy is useless. He doesn't do a single thing that is helpful. Well, and he write in the book he writes a letter to Ron basically saying like you need to distance yourself from Harry because he's like not good for you. And it's like, no, Harry's gonna save all your butts. Yeah. Um so anyway. Percy's useless. Um Neville's more useful than Percy. I okay. I need to say this. I do not subscribe to his Neville slander. All I said was Neville was useless before the fourth. Tell me one thing Neville did that was useful. He stood up to his friends. So did Peter Pettigrew. Peter Pettigrew is a slimy little rat. In the fourth one, he was useful in the movie, but he wasn't even useful in the book. Because in the book, it was Dobby that gave him the Grindelweed. Gillyweed. Gillyweed. For the record. In the movie. For the record. It was he, Neville. He is alone in his, his Neville slander. I do not subscribe to this. And even with finding the rumor requirements in the movie was Neville. But in the book it was Dobby that told Harry where to go. So it wasn't even Neville. They added that entire scene to the movie. Just like in the fourth one. To make Neville useful when he wasn't. Neville is not useful in the books until later on in the franchise. In the movies, they make him useful 
to try to give him character arcs and character development. We do not slander Neville Longbottom in this house. Tell me I'm wrong. You are wrong. Not a lot happens. It's just a training montage, a... The room grows a, um, mistletoe. Oh, Harry the and awkward kid. cringe kiss. Chemistry, we don't know her. That's what I'm saying. Cho didn't really like Harry. She was just clout chasing. No, I just think that the actors didn't have any chemistry. I feel the same way about, uh, Daniel Radcliffe and Bonnie Wright, um, who played Jenny. I mean, they were better together than Cho and Harry. <sighs> like... But, Jenny in the movies is like watching paint dry. Like, yeah. Sorry, Bonnie. I know you listen to this. Um, that would be awesome, though, if she did. If anyone from Harry Potter listened to this, that would be awesome. I really don't think that they listen to things about themselves. Yeah. But, like, this kiss is so awkward. And I don't like the way that the camera, like, spins around them and, like, lingers on their lips. It's like. It's weird. These are like the actors aren't, but they're they're supposed to be under. We have the awkward as heck kiss. Yeah. And um, then we immediately get this very sweet scene between the trio, and uh, I just I love scenes of them just like being relaxed and like chilling essentially. Yeah. And I. I'm 90% sure, maybe I'm completely making this up, but I'm 90% sure I'm not, that I'm pretty sure that they just kind of, like, left the camera rolling, and that's the, Emma Watson, like, laughs, and they just, like, kind of left it rolling, and somebody said something off camera that was funny, that made her laugh, and I, I don't know, I just, I love these little moments of just pure friendship, and you see Harry, like, finally lighten up a little bit. And it's not all bad. You yeah. know? A little little ray of hope. I believe this is when we get the... Uh, Harry has a dream where he is Nagini and he bites Arthur. Yes. Um, and I remember the first time I read this being really confused and the way that it's described that Harry is like is the snake yeah is like so dark and like so bizarre um and um in the book we see a whole chapter of them going to visit him in the hospital and we see Gilderoy who's completely lost his mind and we also meet Neville's parents. Well, we don't like, meet them. Meet, meet them. them. We hear we, about what truly uh, happened to them, and which we've known for a long time now. Well, Harry knows, but Neville doesn't know Harry knows. Yeah. Um, and Augusta Neville's grandma is almost offended that. Neville didn't tell his friends. Yeah. Um, because Neville should be proud. That his friends, that his family stood up. Yeah. In the, in the movie, Harry and Neville just have this sweet exchange of, you know, like, we should be proud 
you know, will make them proud, Neville. Um, I don't know, I just think this, this, the scene is really sweet. And, and we have Christmas, and we have this absolutely brilliantly scripted scene between Harry and Sirius, where Harry, um, they basically have this sweet meeting in the room with the tapestry. It's like the wallpaper. Yeah. Which, they actually sell, Mina Lima actually sells that wallpaper. Nice. Um, it's outrageously expensive. No doubt. Um, like, one roll of it, which I don't know what the measurements of it is, but, like, one roll of it is, like, $100. Editing Sarah here. So, I checked the Mina Lima website, and it is... 0.5 by 10 meters. Don't know if that's standard for wallpaper. Can't tell you that I've ever bought wallpaper in my life. Um, it is 99 pounds and 95 cents, which roughly translates to about $125 US. So very pricey wallpaper in case you're redecorating your house and have no budget. It's Dang. crazy. I don't know who's going to wallpaper their bedroom in that, but yeah, no. they also have a Marauder's Nap one, which is pretty cool. That would be cool to have. Um, but I love this scene purely for the line of, like, Harry's, you know, talking about how angry he is and, and Sirius is like, you're not a bad person. You're a very good person who bad things have happened to. Yes. And we both have light and dark in both of us, in all of us. Um, it's just the parts you part you choose to act on. Yes. I love this whole exchange. It's brilliantly scripted. I don't think any of these lines are in the book. No, they said it's not. Um. We also little learn a little bit more about Sirius's like family tree, and we learn about Bellatrix and. In the book, it dives a little bit deeper into, like, a little bit more of this. Yeah. Um, but I just, I think this, um, the Black Family Tree is such, um, it, or, such an interesting part yeah. to this story. Um, and the Black, like, family, like, lineage is so important to their family like their their family motto which like who has family mottos nowadays their family motto is french for always pure mm-hmm. which is like yikes yeah <laughs> um this is also the same scene that we meet creature the black's house elf yeah. And in the, we completely skimmed over in the last episode uh SPEW Hermione's um house elf initiative and um just because I I couldn't find a place to talk about it to be honest with you. Yeah. Um but in the book she's like com- completely on this like crusade to free all the house elves but Sirius emphasizes to her that we can't free creature because creature knows too much about the order. Yeah. Because who knows who would take Creature into torture. But also, Creature is... we. I don't know if we learn about it in this specific scene, or Harry makes an inference about it later um, in the series, but um, that house elves are loyal to who are kind to them. 
and which is why later when Preacher basically like sells Sirius out, they lure Harry to the Department of Mysteries. Yes. Um, but in the in the book, Harry like Creature says that Sirius isn't home, but in reality it's that Sirius is tending to Buckbeak. Yeah. And so the whole reason why Creature sells Sirius down the river is because Sirius is so cruel to to Creature. Um, which is why Creature has such like horrible ideologies because he takes on the ideologies of the people who he's loyal to. Yeah. Sorry, that was really long-winded, but... Uh, and we meet Helena Bottom Carter. Can you imagine literally anyone else in this role? No. I... I don't know, like, how or who they're gonna have play Bellatrix in the reboot. I have no idea. It would be fun if they brought Helena back. Yeah. She might be too old at that point, though. Maybe. I don't know. But, I mean, I honestly can't think of anyone to play her. Um, She has this quality to her that pre-Azkaban she was, like, hot and, like, you know. Oh, she's still hot. Really? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) No, um... What's her name? Um, she was in Westworld. The Tandy Newton? No. Maeve? No, not Maeve. The one that was like that worked with Ford, the redhead. The one that was dating uh, Bernard in season one. Oh, I cannot remember her name. Her. I can see her being Bellatrix. Oh, I can't. I hope that Hermione is played by the girl who played. Matilda and the remake of the musical that Netflix just did. Maybe. I don't know. I think that that girl was incredible. Yeah. But it has... She might be too old, though. Trelawney gets fired. Yes. And... And Dumbledore stops it. Umbridge is just freaking evil. In the book, we get um, Forenzi, the centaur, that is the new divination teacher. Which is weird. And... Umbridge is not happy about it because she doesn't like half-breeds. Because she's racist. But Tarani doesn't get fired. Dumbledore saves her. She doesn't get banished. Oh, she's just not a professor anymore? Well, she comes back as a professor on the 6th. Yeah. And her and Forenzi kind of, like, split classes. Don't we meet Forenzi later in the No, we meet him in the first book. Then who's the centaurs that we meet in... Ronan and Bane. Mm, okay. And then we meet Hagrid's brother. Oh. <laughs> that was a really bad Bane impression. <laughs> what? I didn't even know what you were trying to do. Because his name was Bane, so I was like thinking of a Batman villain. Oh. I was shaped and... I can't do the voice <laughs> anymore. I used to be able to. I can do the, oh, <laughs> I can do that to get into it, but other than that, nope. I don't know anything the about that. The line Batman. that everyone does is, 
you uh, you were shaped by the darkness, but I was born in the darkness, is the line that everyone does. Why does he have, like, the mask that... Because um, he's a luchador! No, it's like, it's like the mask that they give you at the dentist to give you, uh, to give you... We don't talk about Tom Hardy's guess. outfit. We don't talk about that outfit of Bane. They give you, like, a laughing gas mask. So, <laughs> this is... Actually, no, technically this does do with Harry Potter, because Harry Potter's owned by Warner Brothers, and DC's owned by Warner Brothers. So, it correlates. So, Bane is filled with a toxin called Venom. Not the Venom in Marvel. A different Venom. But they're also both played by Tom Hardy. Yes. Have you made that connection no. before? <laughs> no, but the Bane in Batman, the Christian Bale one, isn't affected by Venom. He doesn't have Venom flowing through him. Michael Keane's the best Batman, in my opinion. I mean, they do escape at some point. Oh, we start Occlumency lessons. Yeah. So how... I don't remember. Was it just a lightning strike that struck Azkaban? Uh, I don't know. They're not that clear about it. There I, was like an explosion. So I'm guessing it was... I, I'm guessing it breaks the charms that like keep them from apparating. But then I'm like, so how did she get her wand back then? So, she no, she didn't have a wand yet. She got her wand back at... I'm guessing between five and six. No, because she kills Sirius. That's right. Loner wand. Or do you think... Because we don't ever know that Ollivander actually get when he gets kidnapped. We see it in the movie. We do? Yeah. I don't remember that. Fenrir, like, takes a guy out of the wand shop with a bag over his head. I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. That's right. So he was trapped in the Malfoy Manor for, like, two years? Basically. Dang. That sucks. And tortured by Voldemort. For two years to make wands. That sucks. Um, Couldn't Ollivander make the Elder Wand? Okay, we don't need to get into that. No, in in all honesty, couldn't Ollivander take Destral Hair? And put it in the same, like, elderwood tree that the elder one is made out of. I don't know. And make a copy of the elder one. Um. Hmm. So, then, this is when, I believe, when the DA is found out. And in the movie, it's Cho Chang. But in the book, it's Marietta Edgecombe, which is Cho Chang's friend. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that they just didn't want to introduce another character <laughs> and she wrote sneak in uh the the pen the parchment the the sign-up sheet the parchment yeah was cursed and mary edgecombe had a bunch of like pimples to spell out the word sneak which On is like forehead. diabolical hermione yeah like she disfigured a girl yeah I mean, she also kidnapped Rita Skeeter for a year. So, could you put it past Hermione? Hermione is evil. I, 
Hermione makes some baffling choices. She's evil. She's smart, but she's evil. Like, Hermione terrifies me. I just don't understand how that's ethical. Either one. Magic. I don't know. Um, but in the movie, some for some reason it's it's Cho. Yeah. Um, because she was tortured. She like they used Veritaserum on her. Yeah. And then this is when we get the scene where Dumbledore is like, um, "I have no intention of going quietly." And apparates and just disappears. You may not like a minister, but you can't deny Dumbledore's got style. Like, you just admitted guilt because you were resisting arrest. Right? It's Dumbledore. Did you expect anything less? No. Not at all. But... Still, with him disappearing like that, he left Umbridge in charge. Yeah, I don't... But the Ministry doesn't have control of Hogwarts. Yeah, they do. It's a school. They're the government. True. <laughs> true, true, true. I love how at the beginning, Hermione's like, uh, the Ministry's interfering with Hogwarts. And I'm like, they weren't already? So then we have... Occlumency lessons, and this is when we get Snape's worst memory, and we learn that James, James and them bullied him. Yeah, which is like, this is why people think it's justified that Snape is awful, and I'm like, no. A lot of people are bullied and are not straight up evil. Yeah, but also Dumbledore pretty much had him let the love of his life get killed, and. A bunch of bad things has happened this I hate, I hate when people are, like, justify it with, but he loved Lily. He did. In the same scene in the book, he literally says to her, she tries to stop James, and he says, I don't need your help, you, and calls her a mudblood. Because he feels like she abandoned him. So he calls her a racial slur? Because they were best friends, like, as kids. Well, yeah, but then he started, he started, like, hanging out with all the people who became Death Eaters. Yeah. It's like, you can't just hang around people who hate... Because they made him feel, like, like, a part of something. I just don't think... Because he was bullied by everyone. I just don't think it's justified. I don't know. I mean, Snape was bullied by everyone. You don't get to be a bad person just because you have drama. He was a bad person, but then he was good at the end because we actually learned the truth. Because you need to... It, it's, it really comes down to that. It's, it's not our abilities that make us who we truly are. It's our choices. Everybody... You cannot control other people's actions. You can yeah. control how you react to them. Yeah. But also, remember, Snape had, or Snape being mean was a persona. I mean, he legitimately was a Death Eater, though. But he was also, yeah, so it was a persona because he was secretly... He wanted to be part of the club. Yeah. But... But he was working for Dumbledore this entire time, 
So he had not to, when he was first friends with them at school. True, but I'm saying when he was mean to the kids, he had to keep the persona of being a Death Eater because there were students of Death Eaters in his classes. So on a lighter note, maybe not. Um, <laughs> there's there's this the kind of running joke in the fandom of whether or not they wear clothes under their cloaks. Um, this is proof that they don't, the scene in the book, because uh, James tips him upside down, his underwear is showing to the whole, so. Or he just might not have worn pants that day. Because we've seen them in pants. In in the movie. Mm, True. Reference to, uh, in book five, or sorry, book four, when, um, at the Quidditch World Cup, one of the guys who's dressed like a muggle is wearing a lady's dress. And he says that he likes feeling the air around his private. <clears throat> and, which basically implies that he's not used to it. Yeah. Which, so, if he wore robes... There's pants underneath robes. Apparently Snape doesn't wear pants. He, he might not. <laughs> But other people do. I don't know. There's just... I just find that that's funny. Are you talking about a moo-moo? Honestly? Because it looks like Snake wears a moo-moo. A black moo-moo. Did he and Elizabeth Taylor have the same taste in clothes? So does Dumbledore. <laughs> Dumbledore wears a... It looks comfy as heck, though. Dumbledore wears a, like, brightly colored moo-moo. And Snake wears a black moo-moo. They look comfy. Yeah. But they don't have to wear pants, so. I mean, I'm down. No, so, my theory why Snape is always mean to everyone is because he has kids that are death eaters, and he doesn't want the the kids reporting to his parents like, yeah, Snape's nice now. He literally tried to poison Neville's frog. He... He basically, like, insulted Hermione's looks and intelligence on a regular basis. He bullied Harry specifically because he looked like his dad. Like, (sighs) anywho, so then we get the O.W. Wells and the, um, the Weasley firework scene with the best piece of score in this entire movie. Yeah. I love this score. Um, I do miss the give her hell from us peeves line, though. But you know, there's no... Peeves was in this movie. Uh, there's no peeves, so... Yeah, I know. I hope he's in the reboot. Then Harry passes out, and this is when we go to uh, Umbridge's office, and um, Umbridge literally slaps him across the face. Uh, and threatens to use the Cruciatus Curse. Cruciat- I've never called it Cruciatus. Cruciatus Curse. Yeah. Um, and, uh, <laughs> horrible. Um, and I like that she, like, puts Fudge's picture down, which I'm like, why do you have a picture of your- a framed picture of your boss? To keep an eye on her. It's weird. Um. To keep an eye on her. And Snape comes in, and Harry's like, he's got Padfoot. He's got Padfoot in the place where it's hidden. Which I'm like, movie watchers don't know who Padfoot is. Yeah. But Snape would know what that means. 
Um, and then Hermione speaks up and says, like, oh, I'll take you to the weapon. And she... I completely skipped over the grob scene, but I don't really think it's that relevant, to be yeah. honest with you. Um, in the book, we learn that Hagrid has a little brother, and... Who is a full... Half-brother. No, that is, no, that is a real full giant. Yeah. Not full brother, half. Um, and Hagrid's been off with the giants, trying to recruit them for the good side yeah. in the book. Um, well, I guess he's in the movie... But it's there's it's more fleshed out in the book. Yeah. Um and so then she leads Umbridge to the centaurs and the centaurs carry her off. Um not gonna get into that, but it's a little disturbing. Um and I do love this the callback of the sorry professor, I must not tell lies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it comes back in, in seven, too. Yeah. Which I think is genius. Um, and then we take the Thestrals to the Ministry. And the Department of Mysteries has, in the book, has so many more rooms. Yeah, isn't it like ten stories with no. most of them underground? No. I thought it was ten. Oh, you're talking about the minute. The Ministry of Magic. I'm talking specifically about the Department of Ministries. Oh, no. I was just talking about the Ministry. You just said the Ministry. It's in the Ministry of Magic. Yeah. No, you said there's a lot more rooms in the Ministry than we There's... See. I can't remember where I've seen this. It might... Um, there... There's some art It's that... in one of your books. I think it's in the fifth one. Where we see all of the... Yes, books. it is. Um, there's, I think it's in the illustrated edition. It is in the illustrated edition. Of five, it, where it's, yeah. like, basically, like, a floor map of the ministry, and it's really freaking cool. Where everything is below ground. Mm-hmm. Um, the Department of Mysteries has a bunch of, it basically explores all the different kinds of magic. And like, all the different types of hidden magic. And prophecies, and time turners, and everything. Um... That's pretty much outlawed. And this scene in the book is so much more... There's so much more to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and all we really see in the movie is the veil. Yeah. Um, which fans still to this day have questions about the veil. Isn't it just where wizards' souls go? It's the barrier between life and death. Yeah. Um... And there's... Do, what? Do you think there's, like, ancient mag... Like, the... The Hogwarts Legacy ancient magic stuff in there? Probably. There's one room that Harry can't get into at all. And it's believed to be the most powerful magic of all. Which is love. Mm-hmm. This isn't the... Yeah. Because there's a love fountain or something in it. Is we never go into it, though. Yeah. But there's a space room, there's a time room, Yeah. there's a death room, there, which is what the veil is in. Yeah. Um, which they just happen to go into. No, they fall into it. Mm. And then there's the prophecy room. And... They destroy so many prophecies. Oh my god. Like... Sorry to all the randos that have prophecies... No more. 
<laughs> your prophecy's gone. Actually, your prophecy will still happen. I imagine there's probably extra copies. I doubt it. Because it's just in a remember-all until, like, a divination teacher reads it and Voldemort overhears it. If, okay, I'm sorry, but if someone that looks snake-like comes and applies to work in your school, why would you even give them the time of day? If someone looks evil, if I had my own business, I mean, I do have my own business, but if someone looks evil, I'm not going to hire them or even give them the time of day. So what happened was, um, Trelawney was interviewing for the job of divination professor, and she... And Dumbledore were meeting in the Hogshead. And she basically gave him this prophecy. And Snape overheard it. Yeah. But only part of it. Um, and relayed the part that he heard to Voldemort. Mm-hmm. Which... So Snape was the one that Whatever. got Lily killed. No. Lily would still have died. I know, but... Either way, Lily would have still died. But this is why he hates Neville, too. Because Neville could have been. Mm-hmm. Because um, it applied to Neville, too. No, Lily would still be tortured. It just would have been opposite. So he still yeah, would have would... lost Lily. I mean, my dude already lost Lily. True. She chose somebody else. True. And had a kid with somebody else. True. You lost her the day you called her in my blood. Yeah. Um, so then there's a battle between the Order and the Death Eaters. And Bellatrix shoots a spell at Sirius and he falls through the veil. And this scream that Daniel Radcliffe has is like muted. Because I thought it was Avada Kedavra. No. People think it's that. She stupefies him. Mm. And he falls into it. Mm. At least in the book. Okay. I think it's Rick DeSempra, actually. I don't think it's Stupefy. Okay. Hey. Ocean violation right there. Not having that blocked off. <laughs> there should be, like, caution tape or, like, a velvet rope. Yeah. Don't touch this. <laughs> should be, like, a, in a glass case, like a museum. Or have a sign on the door. Don't go through this door. Yeah, maybe we should have the locked door be on this one yeah but no we have to lock the love room i don't actually know for sure if it's the love room it's heavily suspected that it's love and then we get the famous the i killed serious back but um, yeah with the harry scream didn't he lose like a family member like right before they filmed that i think he like his grandma died like that week yeah i think yeah his grandma or something passed. I think it was his grandma. Uh, and it made... The, his reaction made everybody cry. Mm-hmm. So they had to, like... They felt like they needed to silence it. Yeah. Um, I think this is some of his best acting. And then... I saw this movie in 3D. Same. And the only 3D part... Was, was the, the glass falling. Oh. Yeah. This Dumbledore versus Voldemort battle. Chef's kiss. I mean, I still like the... We've been waiting five movies 
for a crazy battle. I still really do like the Dumbledore battle the most against him and Credence. I do like that battle. I don't even remember that. It was the one where they kept going, like, into the mirror world, like, in the third one. Oh, it's very Doctor Strange. Yeah, where they kept going back and forth doing the spells. And then I also do like the... A lot of people hate this one, this fight scene in the third Fantastic Beast, but the one against Grindelwald and Dumbledore, I liked. Because it was just a completely white background with them just apparating back and forth doing spells it was really interesting looking it was really this how i'm shocked they... you remember that movie as much as you do i remember movies okay i don't know why i, I try to pretend that i never watched i can't movie. remember math formulas but i can remember a movie i watched 25 years ago we get like water versus fire and like voldemort gets trapped in a water ball and like there's like dragons, I think. Um, yeah, and then like Harry's on the ground, like I'm gonna kill you too. I love this. He channels like, his inner Malachi. His like negative thoughts, and then he 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 sees his friends, and his friends like he hears like Hermione's laughter, and he sees like Sirius, and like they're yeah. hugging, and I just love this like that that gets. Voldemort out of his head. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm going to watch you die too, like how I killed Cedric. You've lost, old man. Yeah. But this is where we get one of my favorite parts, my favorite Voldemort moments. It's because there's little flashes of Voldemort on this, like, weird, smoky background. Yeah. And all, we get this very, very quick flash of Voldemort sticking his tongue out and he goes, Dah! Yeah. Okay. Like, and I'm sorry, it makes me laugh every single time. Yeah. It is so funny. <laughs> and then Fudge's like, oh, he is back. <laughs> He's back. No, what? no shit. The ministry is destroyed. Yeah. All the glass is Did shattered. Did they have to invoice Harry? He could pay for it. It's Rapero. This is true. This is why I said a couple weeks ago, if a wizard was a, like, construction worker in the Muggle world, they would be a millionaire. I love how, I would love to see the, the, the looks on the, the janitor's face. Like. He, he gets into work and he's like, I have not had enough coffee for this. Like. <laughs> I mean, it would be one spell for Pero and it would fix everything. It's just, like, shattered glass everywhere. But I guess what it's What janitor would there be? Like. There's, um, the maintenance department. Oh, true. You know what's not at Hogwarts? A janitor. Filch. Uh, Filch is the ground... Oh, true. He's seen, like, sweeping. One janitor for all of Hogwarts? My thing is, like... Who did he piss off? Did Filch have some kind of information that, like... Because Dumbledore, like, the whole reason, like, she... he. The whole reason why he hired Trelawney is because she had the prophecy, so he needed to keep her safe. And same thing with Snape. And so, does Filch have some kind of information? Because, like, Filch is terrible. I think, so, like, I think Dumbledore feels bad for Filch. That might be why. Why couldn't he do the same thing for Petunia? Why couldn't Petunia be, like, I don't know, Petunia has a nurse or something? 
Because as a muggle, you can't see Hogwarts. Filter's a squid, so he has magical properties Couldn't in Couldn't he him. give the same thing he gave to Jacob? He didn't give Jacob anything. It's a plot hole. Uh, one of the umpteen million in Fantastic Beasts. It's not as bad as the McGonagall one, who would not be a teacher at that time, would still be a student. But we don't talk about that one. Um. So then once we get back to Hogwarts and um, Dumbledore and Harry have a meeting. In the book, Harry, like, completely wrecks Dumbledore's office. Like, he throws things mm-hmm. and, like, is super, super angry. Um, and then we meet up with Luna, and Luna is basically like, um, things we, we love have a way of coming back to us in the end, even though it's not in the way we expect. And the camera pans up and she finds her shoes. They've just been up on a telephone pole. It's not a telephone pole. It's like hanging from like the rafters. Uh, Which I'm like, why? Kids are mean. Um, and then we get back on the train, and Harry says, um, that we have one thing that Voldemort doesn't. Noses. <laughs> Eyebrows. Real-looking skin. <laughs> Normal eyes. Uh, something worth fighting for. <laughs> I guess he's fighting for immortality. Or fighting for a nose. <laughs> I still think this would have been an awesome little detail to add. Every time that they destroyed a Horcrux, Voldemort started turning more human. I would have loved that. I think that would have been interesting. Like, because you see his cloak, like, turning more gray every time a Horcrux is... And you see him, like, get veinier and, like, his eyes, like, sinking in. Yeah. Yeah. Not, like, it would make... It would make sense... Actually, no, it wouldn't be possible. No, because... Some of the... One of the Horcruxes was It would have destroyed. had to have been, like, healing. In order to... And the only way to heal and, like... Like, is remorse. And he would yeah. never. True. No, it should be one of the side effects of a Horcrux is if you destroy it. True. It makes sense. But it still would have been cool to see. So, overall, what are your thoughts on this book slash movie? Order of the Phoenix was never my favorite. I think it's kind of bloated. Like, it was never my favorite. My favorite is three. Yeah, I just, I think Order of the Phoenix, it has so much, especially the book, packed into it. Yeah. And I think it feels bloated at times. Yeah, like with Order of the Phoenix, it's great informational-wise, but it feels like just information garbage. I will... Or information overload. I will tell you... And maybe this is a hot take. I'm not sure. Um, Sirius is one of the only deaths that I don't really have many feelings about. Um, in my personal opinion, I think Sirius is worse than James. I think he's crueler than James. But also, look at his family. I I know, but um, I feel <laughs> his family's full of death eaters. I feel more for him than I do for Sirius. Um, I feel like so much more heartbroken when like Dumbledore dies, when Fred dies, when Lupin dies. Yeah. Like, but Sirius was really the first father figure that ha- Harry had 
for more than a year. I know. I just... And I feel weird even saying it because I know a lot of people were crushed when Sirius died. It is an unpopular opinion. I just You're, didn't feel that much. Okay, people. Give Sarah hate for that. <laughs> for my serious slander? Yes. Ignore my Neville slander. Let's go after the serious slander. Because Sirius is a good person. And it's useful. We ha- all have light and dark in both of us. Yeah, all it just us. depends on how you use it. So, yeah. That is a wrap on... Order of the Phoenix. Next week we will be covering Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Mm -hmm. Um, We hope you have a good night and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out our merch store at thefanclubpodcast.myspreadshirt.com. You can get exclusive designs designed by us on t-shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, stickers, and many other items. We will have limited edition designs in the very near future. Be sure to follow us on all of our social medias for updates on what we're working on in real time. We're part of the Needlessly Nerdy Entertainment Network. They're a conglomerate of podcasts and blogs that provide entertainment, news, and reviews about all things nerdy, including movies, TV, books, video games, tabletop games, cons, pop culture, and more. Go check out all of the amazing shows on the network at needlesslynerdy.com. Needlessly Nerdy, your source for all things nerdy. www.needlesslynerdy.com